truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy it's Tuesday. Yes. Happy Tuesday. Welcome to the Blaze live and on demand. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us. Well, like us on Facebook a lot because we're shadow banned there. You can follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show or just sit back, email the program, steve at stevedace.com. And for those of you listening today via Blaze Radio or the podcast, the last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. If you are listening today via podcast, if you wouldn't mind leaving us one of those five-star reviews, they would be greatly appreciated. Thousands of you have done that already. Thank you. Keep them coming. The more of those we get, the more people like you we will likely be able to find. Coming up a little bit later on today, it is a Pop Culture Tuesday. Uh, Something happened last night that I I should not have been surprised by. And maybe it's still a good thing that I was. And uh, we're going to talk about that also, fake news or not. Um, We have a very, very special guest lined up today. Maybe the most uh, effective is the word I'm going to go with. The most effective cultural commentator on planet Earth alive at this moment uh, will be joining us uh, a little bit uh, later on. Uh, And one of the cool things we get to do on this show every single day, uh, you know, it's the 500th time they have turned the mics and the cameras on and made the dire mistake of putting us on the air here. Uh, Since we started this show a couple of years ago, today's our 500th episode. And one of the cool things about doing this program every day is the opportunity to support worthwhile causes like Back to Jerusalem. Theirs may be the most worthwhile cause of them all, uh, taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. And if you want to help them do that, their main mission is to reach what are called closed countries with the word of God, meaning oppressive regimes that have closed their people off to the scriptures because they don't want them inspired and hope-filled because uh, people that are inspired and hope-filled have a tendency to be less tolerant of being oppressed, but they need your help. So whether it's communist China, whether it's Iran, whether it's North Korea, Somalia, etc., it costs about $15 for their process from the from where they're located to getting one of these Bibles that they shrink down into an electronic form about yay big. It's the actual Bible, just put it in an electronic form that makes it easier to sneak past the gatekeepers in these countries. Uh, It costs about 15 bucks from where they're at to get it into the hands of one of these people that need the light of God's word. If you want to help that cause, blazehelp.org. That's the website, blazehelp.org. Or you can give them a call at 844-305-0566. That's 844-305-0566. And now here's Aaron with what happened while we were away. Ladies and gentlemen, today is the 500th episode of the Steve Day Show in its current video form. In honor of this occasion, let's take a stroll down memory lane. Our humble beginnings were in this very studio, though with about half the size as it is now.
And from that moment on, we were all business. Until the second hour of the show, where we had to play Your Best Life Now, the game. After that hour, that game has remained on the shelf, confusing myriad of potential new listeners and viewers as to why we'd pimp Joel Osteen. We've had ups. Tell the Republicans to do their damn jobs. How a political party goes from historic levels of power to imploding in one easy step. Why do I keep trying to help a situation that I've concluded is helpless? Cognitive dissonance, it's not just for liberals anymore. Do we have our priorities in order as a movement? Heck, do we even have a movement at all? So what would it take to get all constitutional up in here? Next on CRTV. We've had it downs. I, I got nothing. I can't. I, it Now we endorse. And then I went back at him with, so he endorses stuff he doesn't support? All the time, he says. That's a tap out. That's a cultural tap out. You're done here. We look up high and we say, the salvation is not nigh. May it please be the sulfur. Lord, we gave it our best shot down here. We tried. We really did. I don't know about you. I'm sick of this. I think you can tell from, I, I'm just at my wit's end. I just, I'm at Phil Collins mode, man. I don't care anymore. We've had zany hijinks. It's even fairly flat in here, okay, because I'm a lifter. And then there would be this area right here in the middle that um, we used to call a pot belly. And then I have like these really lean, uh, muscular legs at the same time. <laughs> I'm not quite this cool. I can't work. I, I mean, I'm not. This guy works heaters better than Humphrey Bogart and Casablanca. Okay. I mean, he is debonair. I mean, he is a force of nature. All right. Love that kid. I think there are several issues that need to be addressed here when it comes to John Kasich. One, was his dad a mailman? Two, uh, what is his position on fathers and mailmen? And three, uh, what about mailmen? Uh, what has he Please done for mailmen? Uh, those are some of the issues that I think everyday mailmen, I mean, Americans need to talk about. So I've, I, have, I have watched more than my share of soccer. Here's the issue. All right, the, what, and I would combine hockey with soccer. Because one of the one of the pushbacks I always get from you soccer fiends, well, hockey games are two to one. Well, they also had seventy five shots on goal. Somebody bled, somebody almost bled, and somebody should have bled. And greetings, my name is Chief Whataboutist. Thank you for joining us today here on CRTV. Can you have a political party that the? Um, Artist formerly known as Bruce Jenner, who clearly has a psychosis. Kid Rock and Judge Ray Moore all look at who they think you are and say, yeah, I think I'm a part of that. How do you know you just suck? If you're a Democrat in 2017, you know. Because it's you. In the pantheon of terrible people and terrible things. Adolf Hitler. Pol Pot. The guy at work that won't take his K-cup out of the Keurig. The guy at work who destroyed his Keurig because hashtag First Amendment. Cruella DeVille. Lucifer himself. And Donald Trump inside a dog's ear. Some terrible people stand out amongst our worst. We call these people the most terrible people in the most terrible profession in the most terrible time to be in it. Game. That's right. Today's show features 10 terrible people and peoples 
Vying to be the worst of our worst and the judges of today's pageant, he's magical and not at all broken, Todd Erzin. She's got a bigger set than anyone on set, Kim Pearson. The ugly American himself, Steve Dace. And he usually gets the last word because he's the dumbest, me. Judges, are you ready? Let's meet our contestants. Behind door number one, she's the only daughter of Donald Trump, except for that one nobody talks about. Her strengths include being Donald Trump's daughter, making Jared Kushner relevant in the worst possible ways, and women's issues. Why should this sister tyrant get all the love? When we can present for you this week... The top 10 hotties behind the horribles, sponsored by CNN. Let's begin with number 10. Q Pottery. That's right, I got a little hearts in there in honor of Valentine's Day, the wife of Pol Pot. The ball is There you are. I'm so sorry! You pray for your sin. Listen here, son. Alright. I'm as gay as the day is long and twice as sunny. I don't give a f- what you think Jesus tells me and what I should and should not be doing. I hurt. When Dick Durbin called me, I had tears of rage when I heard about this experience in that meeting. And for you not to feel that pain hurt. Yeah, what's the day to sick of the Maya this year, uh, next year? Can you tell me that? Uh, somewhere around May 5th. Todd, can you remind me, when, when's the 4th of July? Do you know when it is? And now, after asking Todd when is the 4th of July, I'd like to give you my thoughts on race relations, climate change, why you should trust my belief in forecasting models 10,000 years from now. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, I feel like I have to ask. Is Trumpy Bear real? We have our first openly bisexual member of Congress. And it's like the hot lipstick lesbian that you uh, leered at on all the websites you hid from your parents when you were growing up. And her last name is, when you break it down, her last name is Sin Enema. Just let that waffle in the air for a minute. And it's all averaged out to be pretty mediocre. I will not sacrifice what I believe to draw traffic. Instead, what I try to do is convey what I believe in an entertaining and informative and compelling enough way that it will still draw traffic. And you know what? If we can't do that, if this doesn't work, I'm okay. I'll do something else. I had a life before this. Not as many people knew me. That is both good and bad but I'm sure I will move on with the rest of my life. I don't need this for meaning. I'm not trying to to pander to you. I'm not trying to piss you off either. The Steve Day Show, at least the 15th or 16th best show on Blaze TV, celebrating 500 episodes. We are literally just three guys trying to fear God, tell the truth, and make money in that order. That's all there is, there isn't any more, there's no other agenda than that. I don't know, just as I don't understand why some of you want to contort yourself to Cheeto Jesus, I just as much don't understand why some of you want to actively root against a president of the United States. 
Why? Why? What do we get out of this if he sucks? Nothing is the answer. Absolutely nothing. The same thing you're going to get out of selling your soul for Donald Trump is the same thing you'll get out of wanting him to fail. Nothing. Well, that's about the most mediocre montage of other programming you're ever going to see around these parts. And I don't know that I've ever received greater affirmation in my career than being ranked the 14th or 15th best show here at the place. <laughs> That's solid food right there. Yeah, yeah Aaron's memor- uh, montage of memories is brought to you by our friends at RidUZone. Uh, if you have lost the resolve in your New Year's resolutions to get healthier this year and study show, we've reached, we're past the point in time when the vast majority of us will do that. Um, give it another shot. Get back up on the horse. Why do we fall down, Bruce? So we can get back up, okay? So get back up because as we get older, it may not be your fault. Our metabolisms just ain't what they used to be, particularly if we didn't treat our bodies well for a long time going into this process of trying to get healthier. And so you may need some help. And Riduzone is not a stimulant. Uh, it's got four ingredients. One of them's rice. Uh, and another one of the main ingredients is what's called OEA. And it's found as one of the main substances that makes up something you might know as olive oil. Our bodies produce it just as we get older, not as much of it as uh, we would like. And it's one of those things that on one hand will stoke that metabolic pilot for you. It'll fire that up. But on the other It'll tell your body, hey, I'm full, done eating, so you can regulate it on the other end as well. If you want to give this a chance, use my name as a promo code right now. Instead of drinking an entire bottle of olive oil a day, just take one capsule of Riduzone, and you'll get 30% off a three-month supply today at Riduzone.com, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, R-I-D-U-Z-O-N-E, Riduzone.com, promo code Steve. Well, gentlemen, as we look back over the uh, 500 episodes of this show Well, 499, because this is the 500th. So we look back over the 499 episodes of this show that have aired uh, over the last, uh, what, uh, two plus years. Um, What I'm going to save my answer to the end because I, I had a different answer after watching the montage. I have a different answer now than I had coming in. And I'm fine giving either answer. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hold my two possibilities. Uh, and I play ball hog here, and I'll let you go first, Todd. What what what's the biggest change you've noticed? And it can be in any context. Could be with the way we do the show. Could be with the stuff that we cover. Could be a little bit of both. But what's what's the biggest change that that's occurred over these four hundred ninety nine episodes for you? Well, I think, and it goes back also to my time starting with you in radio as well. Uh, it it still felt at that time like traditional political analysis on some level horse race kind of stuff mm-hmm. now it's it's res- constantly responding to like bill clinton saying um it depends on what the definition of is is we we are constantly having to respond in a way that is we are the rear guard action trying to maintain the definition of reality when everybody else is trying to tear it down at a fundamental level not just at the fringes i mean basic concepts uh bill clinton was perhaps a man ahead of his time uh taking a simple two-letter word like is and somehow turning it into the uh the depths of the cosmos uh there in terms of the 
the travels he would go on uh, to 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 redefine that's every day now every day is a trial a stand and deliver and inherit the wind moment and we laugh a lot because it's so dumb and crazy but that dumb and crazy is destroying us so again i never would have thought in a million years that i would be living during a time where the thanos snap Mm. And you know the uh, that where they're just everything time space it's it's just changing by a bunch of uh, boys and girls who can shave who uh, are basically some of the greatest revolutionaries known in the history of man in terms of the greatness that they are destroying and it's not stopping. You know that was that that's a derivative of one of the answers I was potentially going to give. Um, I, you know, the stuff, when I first started, when I made my transition full-time from sports to news, also happened at the time in my life when I was now getting serious about my faith from a worldview and a philosophical level, not just on a personal level, after, you know, trying to move beyond the impact that my faith had had on me and see if it can have an impact on the world around me. And, you know, we would do shows where, you know, the, and, and, you know, the marriage issue and other issues were being hotly debated at those at that time. And, you know, we would do shows where we would game plan out, you know, steps three, four, five, and six. And we'd have, and that was still when we could get people on the other side of these debates to come on the show and debate them and discuss them. You can't really get that anymore. I mean, if they can't call you racist, I mean, if, they, if, if it has to be an honest engagement, defense of your belief system, it rarely will happen. Rarely. Okay. I mean, I know Ben Shapiro got a Democratic presidential candidate on his show. Ben's probably the biggest star in conservative media. And I'll guarantee the only Democrat he could get that would go on there is at 1%. That's an Andrew Yang guy. Anybody else who thinks they have any chance at winning the thing would never take that chance. Never do it. You know? Um, and so we would game plan out. And when I would have people on from the other side of these cultural divide issues, and when I would say to them things like, you really don't want to redefine marriage here. You really want to redefine gender. That's really what you're saying, that it's not natural for a man to be attracted to a woman and vice versa. That's really what you're saying. You want to redefine gender norms. And they would get infuriated that you would go to those places and accuse you of fallacies and slippery slope arguments. I mean, we're, we're, we slipped done past that slope. You know, I mean, that slope's like, hey, that that's way over there now. Okay. I mean, the stuff that I used to game plan out that would drive corporate insane and would and would drive, particularly when I was on locally, would drive the big money Republican donors in Iowa uh, who kind of viewed themselves as a booster club for WHO, which they weren't. That's just the way they, because they're used to, they're big rich guys. They're used to getting their way, you know? Um, the stuff that I used to talk about we were going to go down these roads eventually. And I was called nuts, crazy. And I'd even doubt myself. Like, I know when I work this math out, this is where it says we go. But I, I can't believe I'm going to live to see this stuff. It's all in the rearview mirror. Now. It's all, all that stuff is gone. We've passed all the things I thought we would eventually see. We've already seen. And we are now in, we're, we're embarking on frontiers. I never, ever thought, ever thought we would see. You know, and I think that is, you know, um, that's what you touched upon there. And I completely agree with that. What about you, Aaron? 
Well, in a couple of a couple of different contexts. One is, I mean, we know nothing is new under the sun, but I will say from the time slightly before, maybe a year before I actually started working here and I was still just a listener to where we are now, um, and I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'll just say for me in particular, um, there was always, especially in the last 15 years, there's always been this, we need revival, we need revival. Um, but it was in, you know, it was kind of in the context of, uh, to save America revival mm-hmm. for a means to an end that we want to see a means to a temporal end. Um, there's been a shift from a focus and a focused shift from, uh, kind of talking about revival on the side and saying, yes, that's what we really need, but here vote for this person, or here's how we can do politics better to, as you say, multiple times, revival or bust. That's really where we are right now because Rules for Patriots is, I mean, it is a, a great, obviously a great handbook for for how you do civil war in our country, uh, which is politics. Politics is how we do fil- civil war. But um, as uh, has been said numerous times, uh, our constitution, our country uh, is, our constitution is really only for moral and religious people um, so it's really kind of a lot of the things that we talk about in terms of activism is really kind of at this point to stem the tide of what's coming without revival, mm-hmm. uh, a bandaid for what's coming without revival. And then on the, on the, on, on a kind of a different context, I went to school for radio, man. Now I'm flying the Starship Enterprise over here every day, uh, so that's been that's been an adventure. There has been there have been some really fun breakthrough moments for me personally, trying to get my feet wet in this. There have been some really low moments personally, trying to. Uh, it's it's technology. Roses are red, violets are blue. Technology doesn't always work, but sometimes it do. Uh, that's kind of <laughs> that's kind of my mantra on a day to day basis. But it's been it's been an adventure, and I like getting to learn this this type of stuff. Um, you know, behind the scenes as well. Um. So let me go with my backup answer because I like Aaron's answer too. I think it kind of speaks for itself. Um. I'm pretty obnoxious. That's my other part. I mean, I'm like, I'm watching that and I'm like, man, I'm kind of surprised. I'm even more surprised going in, uh, coming out of that montage than I was going in that this has lasted for 499 episodes. I mean, it, it, even just looking at that, you know, I stopped air checking our stuff years ago, long before you guys even came on the show. And, um, the main reason I stopped air checking myself is because once I got, once I, I, I had kind of taken out a lot of the verbal crutches that you can rely on that get kind of annoying. Um, I, how do I put this bluntly? Sure. Um, I was afraid that if I became supremely self-aware of how we push your buttons in the audience. Let me rephrase that. How I push your buttons in the audience. How I lean on you at times. Um, and push back on you. That um, it would cause me to go soft. And I would say, I, I'm. we can't. We can't push people like that. You know, you can't expect an audience to respond to that. You know, it's, that's going too far. 
Um, but the truth is that we have gone too far at times. I have gone too far at times. And I've tried to admit that when it's been obvious. Um, but the things we pushed you on and pushed you over and about over those last 499 episodes, as we look back on them now, tell me which one of them I overreacted on. And I don't say that with satisfaction. Like, you're not going to catch me jumping on my Twitter account and resetting how right I am about um, the end of Western civilization being nigh. Hey, guys, look at all these terrible cultural indicators. You know, like, and it's not that it, my ego won't do it. Like, I'm fine totally bragging about how I performed in the NSA tournament against the Vegas spread. I'm fine with it. Okay. But I'm, I'm, that's a sporting contest. This is existential. I'm not, I'm not happy about what I have, you know, been watchman on a watchman on the wall over here for these last few years. And man, I got to thank you guys more putting up with some of that stuff. It's pretty obnoxious at times. Don't you think? No. <laughs> no. It's, it's real, man. It's real. That's, that's why uh, I was a fan of the show before you were my friend. And, and uh, it, it, it's the only thing that cuts through the noise. I, I mentioned it many times. I can't stand it when people hear the message, oh, you know, but if you only had the right tone. Yeah. Th- those are people who are desperate for you to shut up because they don't like the truth. So you have mm. to take the tone and shove it right up their backside sometimes. That's just how life works. Yeah, you're real doesn't mean you're necessarily comfortable. I mean, and I, I'm not saying that as a, just a pejorative or anything. doesn't mean it's com- comfortable. I mean, the depths to which and extent to which you uh, share your own testimony and uh, the work of the Lord in your own life is... is um, powerful but it is uncomfortable sometimes because you are so honest about yourself um and I'm, again i'm not i'm tr- trying to you know uh, avoid landmines here to where i'm not coming off as just super pejorative or subordinate of my uh insubordinate of, of my boss but yeah that's the point that i'm trying to make reality being real and being honest sometimes uh is not uh is not comfortable but um I will say the one thing you overreacted to. This was not on this show, but Shea Patterson is not going to win the Heisman, Steve. I'm sorry. I didn't say he was going to win. I said he would get the most votes of any player in the Big Ten this season if he's healthy. That's what I said. I did say that. So I'll, I'll own that because um, I still think that. But that notwithstanding, um, I also am struck by how I have had to – how circumstances out there – and the and the rapidity of the of the devolution has forced me um, over these last few years, and I would really go back to 2014 when Rules for Patriots came out. So really, over the last five years, um, I mean, I, I've had to change paradigms on the fly three, four times in just the last few years. You know, when I got into this business, I got into this business to do two things. One was to take on well, then we knew it by liberalism, and it was really Glenn Beck on Fox who really began educating a lot of our base audience on 
what is modern progressivism and why this next evolution and what we used to call liberalism is a whole different animal that, that you're going to confront, you know? And um, the other thing was to do whatever I could do with my platform to get true committed conservatives in charge of the Republican Party everywhere within the sound of my voice. And those two impulses drove me quite a bit. And I've had to give up that quest, realizing the futility of it. I then got myself to the point that I basically just totally ejected from direct political activism because I just viewed it as not worth the hassle and the blowback. There was no, it's not a just war. There was no ROI there. I was just making enemies without any commiserate opportunity for success that made that justified the the enmity I was creating with the people around me. To now I'm at the point where I I'm 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 back to voting straight ticket for a bunch of Republicans I can't stand that I've spent good por- the, the archetypes I spent good and sometimes specific people I've spent good portions of my career trying to get out of office. Because now I feel as if I have a, I have I, I need a buffer. I need something between me, my family, and the horde of orcs pouring out of Mordor. And I, I think that's been the biggest change is to see the Democratic Party. And maybe that change kind of summarizes everything else we've all talked about. That we have a major political party in America that is that is not that is not leading the cultural de- de- devolution. It is a construct of it, and it is now openly and honestly saying all the things we used to within our conservative media enclaves accuse it of really being for. It now owns it with pride and boasts of it, and says, "And yes, and we're coming to your city. We're coming." Back with more in a moment. <laughs> Hey, do you have itchy ears, ear pain? Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? That plugged up feeling, you know, it is now allergy season and you may be thinking, hey, a professional cleaning is in the offing for me uh, of doctor visit with a weight I don't have time for another copay. I don't want to rack up. Then I got to take care of the copay for the script and everything else. What if I told you you could deal with this now in the comfort and convenience of your own home with a professional grade cleaning and without a prescription? You can. It's called WaxRx. It uses a physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup, then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula. And you can try WaxRx without a prescription, risk-free today. Here's how. Uh, Just go to the website, usewaxrx.com. That's the site, all one word. Usewaxrx is all one word. Usewaxrx.com. While you're there, use offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Again, finally, a real solution for that stubborn earwax buildup. And Aaron, can we finally send some of this to Kurt Schilling, please? Yeah, for the last week, uh, it's been a little, yes. little rough with the IFB. Use WaxRx.com. For those of you, by the way, wondering, where was your sports show today? Apparently, he had to show up for some uh, Ring of Honor ceremony at Fenway Park Just or something. ditched us. Yeah. So I guess you had that going on, I guess. Use WaxRx.com. Offer code radio. Coming up next hour, we sit around thinking, hey, who would be, if we got a guest for the 500th episode, can't just be anybody. And so Todd went out there and landed, uh, who I think is the most 
effective and powerful commentator on Western culture alive on planet Earth today. And no, I'm, this is not tongue-in-cheek, man. I'm legit, straight up, okay? And we don't want to assume this person's gender. So we're just going to say they're going to join us next hour. Is that fair? Um, it's demanded, isn't it? Yes. Uh, and and this person, if we if it's it w- would demand it from us, actually would demand that we not uh, impose our heteronormative patriarchal leanings uh, and oppression upon, shall we say, them. Yes, I think that's fair. Uh, also, fake news or not, one of my um, favorite political analysts, because I think he's one of the most uh, most objective, Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics has come out today with his own buy, seller hold on the Democratic presidential field. And we're going to go through his ratings and see uh, which of those we view to be fake news or not. All right, that's coming up a little bit later on. But I want to I want to get to uh, today's or this week's Pop Culture Tuesday. And this is where we look at the intersection between culture, often pop culture, uh, and conservatism. And something happened last night. I I didn't anticipate in reaction to something I, I posted on Twitter. And and I should have. And I'm I think though it it's maybe a good thing that I didn't. Because if we if I ever get to the point where I assume this thing is so far gone that it's impossible to touch on these sorts of universal themes without this too getting politicized, it it might be time to get thee to a nunnery. It might it might be time to tap out. So Last night was the national championship game in college basketball. And I don't know how many of you know uh, the background and the history here, but uh, a year ago, the University of Virginia was the number one overall seed in the NCAA tournament. All right. And in terms of total viewers, uh, money wagered, memorabilia, the NCAA tournament is the second biggest team sporting event in America every year behind only the Super Bowl. All right. And the University of Virginia was the number one overall seed. And in the history of this tournament, no 16 seed has ever beaten a number one seed. And often these games are not even close. There's been a couple near misses. I think Western Carolina almost beat Purdue once. One of the most famous near misses, Princeton almost beat number one Georgetown in a 16-1 game. That was actually 30 years ago in 1989. But it's never actually gone down. And most of the time these games are warm-ups for the number one seed. Well, it went down last year, and Virginia didn't just go down to Maryland-Baltimore County. They got annihilated in this game. I mean, it was like a 20-point loss. It was the most embarrassing loss in the history of the NCAA basketball tournament. One of the most embarrassing team losses in, would you say, Todd, in, in recent American yeah. team sport history, Absolutely. period. I mean, they, and, and in today's social media environment, they were an all, they were a meme, you know, the college basketball season ends the first Monday in April. It doesn't start again until the, fir- the first Friday in November. That's a really long off season, guys. So if they put up with this for, what's that, seven months? Seven months of mockery. Seven months of it. Everywhere they went, they were mocked, derided. 
the way their head coach, Tony Bennett, um, a man of faith, and he's open about his faith, met his wife when she was assisting with a youth ministry in Charlotte, North Carolina, when he played there in the NBA. Okay. Um, this is an integral part of their lives. And it is, by the way, for Chris Beard and his family, the Texas Tech coach that was on the losing end last night. And um, he had to stand up there last year and face the music. And he did so with the highest amount of dignity, class, and, and self-accountability you could have asked anybody to do in that sort of a setting. And, and as a leader and molder of men, that probably set the tone. His program was right there at a crossroads. They had a ton of success. Really, his program had had the most success you can possibly have without getting to the highest level, without winning a Final Four, without winning the NCAA tournament. Uh, they had won the ACC regular season uh, and tournament multiple times, which is not easy to do. That is not an easy league. It's maybe the hardest league of them all to upward mobile in because you have two of the five or six greatest programs of all time in Duke and North Carolina, and they're sitting there with two of the greatest coaches of all time. They're machines. They're just churning out you know, high-ranked teams every single year. So you've got to break through them. And that doesn't count other teams that have a huge amount of tradition. Louisville, Syracuse, these are all teams that have won national championships. Virginia never has. In fact, they haven't even been to the Final Four since 1984. That's before we had a 64-team field, before we had a shot clock. And so he had, he, when you take a program like that and you take them right to the doorstep multiple times and don't get through you reach a crossroads because the kind of recruiting of, of, that you need to do to sustain that level of success, it gets tougher because the next Tony Bennett is now in the ear of those same young players saying, Hey man, he gave it his best shot. He can't get you there. Come with us. We can take that step that Tony Bennett can't take. So his whole career right here is really at a crossroads and he set the tone with the way he handled his business after that loss. And then you watch the way that team came back. They looked even more physically in shape. That tells you they committed all offseason to overcoming this. And, you know, this is basketball, guys. You know, really all team sports nowadays are pretty integrated in terms of racially, socioeconomically, ethnically. Basketball in the United States is probably the one that has the most in-house diversity. And so this is a group of guys... You know, you have Kyle Guy who looks like, you know, your altar boy kid from your church league. You have Diakite who, you know, it, it come, looks like he's from a whole other and has a name that sounds like he's from a whole other part of the world. Now, I don't know. He might be from New Jersey. I don't know. But my point is you've got to mold all of these personalities together. You got to keep a guy like DeAndre Hunter, who everybody's been telling him for a year, he's an NBA lottery pick. And you got to keep and because Virginia doesn't play an easy style of basketball. All right. You have to be really committed to this. It's a very challenging style of ball. And so if you're if you're coming back to Virginia thinking, dude, I'm just gotta I'm I'm gonna go about 80% here so I don't get hurt for the draft, that ain't happening with this style of ball. Can't you can't play this way. At least not good. You'll drag the whole team down if you do. 
And so with his team at the crossroads, an embarrassing loss to mold and mix all of these personalities together with the biggest bullseye on their back that maybe any team's had in modern college basketball history. And they put it themselves there. They did this to themselves. They're not victims. And they know that. And they didn't whine. They didn't mope. They accepted the responsibility. They accepted the challenge. And for the next seven months, they banded together to say, we're coming back and we're going to do something about that. We're going to overcome that. And last night, you watched an ESPN 30 for 30 that's going to win awards. You watched it transpire before your eyes. What did Jim Nance call it? The greatest turnaround tournament champion of all time? Yeah. From from being the first one to lose to a 16, you win the whole thing for the first time in school history the very next year. And the way that they did it, too, there's only been two teams ever that won all six games by fewer combined points than Virginia. And they were teams like Villanova in 85 that are some of the greatest Cinderella stories in the history of this event. They, they, they pulled off the play that never works to win a game where they missed a free throw on purpose, got the rebound and scored. You'll watch that take place 25,000 times in college basketball and watch it not work 24,999 times. It worked this time. And it worked the most difficult way possible in that game against Purdue, where the rebound actually went out to half court. They had to go chase it down. It didn't even, they didn't even get the rebound at the basket, guys. I mean, this was Kyle Guy had to step up with 0.6 seconds on the clock in front of 20 million people and hit three free throws all by himself with 10 minutes to think about it. I mean, the amount of collective adversity overcome here. And what I said about this last night is this was a rare gem in our devolving culture. You saw a portrait of an authentic manhood here. And if you listen and watch our show, we point out the, uh, the lack of manhood in our churches, in our political, in the political party most of us vote for the most. Like, we've never been a show that has laid the blame solely on people we disagree with politically for the loss of masculinity. In fact, we actually have been the show that has said the loss of masculinity is what provided a platform and a boost to the political uh, ideals we don't agree with. That if masculinity had done its job, if dads had stayed in the home, gotten jobs and raised their kids, would there be as much of a market for a welfare state, Todd? Yeah. No. If men had treated their women right, if they had protected and defended the honor and integrity of their women, would there be as much of a market for egalitarian feminism, do you think? No. No. And so I, I, and I worded this in a way to make it as apolitical as possible. And as transcendent as possible, because the one thing we're running out of is real safe spaces, not fake ones on a college campus. I can't, I can't be told something I don't agree with. No, that's not what I mean. I mean like real places where we're just Americans, man. And we enjoy the, the fruits of Americana that other people bled and died for, pledged their lives and sacred honors for, that make this culture war worth fighting, make this a civilization worth conserving. I mean, we do a whole, I do a show with Kurt Schilling every day, and the number one goal of the show is, as much as we possibly can, is to just talk about sports and depoliticize it as much as we can. 
I really was not trying to politicize this. And I don't think I worded it in a way that did. I don't know what Tony Bennett's politics are. You can't just assume that because, I mean, there's all kinds of people that invoke God, the scriptures, that pray after NFL games, and then went out there and, you know, campaigned with Hillary Clinton. I don't know what his particular politics are. I mean, he grew up at the University of Wisconsin. I mean, he, who knows? And that's one of the craziest havens of liberalism in the entire Midwest. That's a fair assessment. You went there, so right? Wisconsin Green Bay. Yeah. Oh, Wisconsin Green Bay. Yeah. Okay, but his dad was the coach Correct. in Wisconsin. He was, well, he was an coach, assistant yeah. there, yes. yeah. So I don't know what his politics are. I, I, do you think all of 13 of those players that he molded at Virginia, do you think they all think Donald Trump's a really swell guy? All 13 of them. Do you think do You think if we did a straw poll of the University of Virginia basketball team, Trump would go 13 for 13, do you think? I'm certain it would be closer to zero for 13. Yeah, I had, so I... I <laughs> and yet I was shocked. And maybe I shouldn't have been, but I'm glad that I was. One guy at the Daily Coast, because I'm also not a Ben Shapiro, Glenn Beck, where every time I say something, I'm a, ma- I'm a big enough name that I'm a magnet for these guys to clickbait me. You get nothing clickbaiting Steve Dace. You know, I'm, I'm upper middle class. I don't, I don't live on the golf course of conservative media. I live like in the neighborhood adjacent to it. You know what I mean? I'm not, you don't, I'm not the guy, you don't gain anything on the, in the liberal, on the left side, clickbaiting me. I don't, I'm not a guy. Most of them are like, who the hell is Steve Dace? You know, you know I mean, I, I don't, you know, I'm not an automatic, hey, whatever he says, clickbait it because it draws up our traffic. I don't, I don't present that. So that means they were li- this, they were literally offended at this. And I think it was a portrait of the kind of, and you've used this term, so I want to give you credit for it. I mean, you didn't create the word, but you have, I think, done the, the, the proper application of it in this context. This is the iconoclasm that, that you have talked about a lot, or, or I use the term deconstruction. You know, there was one guy who's an editor at Rolling Stone who tweeted to me, oh, yes, this, I'm so turned on by this manhead, I'm going to go home and masturbate to it tonight. Just the idea, you know, we, we talked yesterday about Pete Buttigieg's candidacy isn't a candidacy. It's a, it's a troll job right out of the, you know, the throne room of Herod's palace. That's what this Twitter reaction was. Just a bunch of people drunk on their own degeneracy who, on one hand, are self-loathing about what they've allowed themselves to do, but then loathe you all the more that you will not circle the same drain as them. And if here's the thing, we got to get to a point. This nation's going to be lost. If we can't isolate that facet and say, no, 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 no. The more we continue to mainstream that level of nihilism, that is literally injecting an airborne contagion right into your veins from a cultural standpoint. That's not even a political debate. That's not a, that's not a, a theological conversation. Because at least the Islamists, they want hegemony. Like they don't want to, I mean, they don't want to just watch the world burn. They want to they burn it to own it. So they can rebuild it in their image. This is different. This is really, I just want to watch the world burn. This is just blackness. It's a void. 
a black hole. Because you could have turned my argument against me. You could have said, you know, how many times, because we say it all the time, how many times has conservatism failed to conserve these traditional gender roles and values and notions? And that's why we're in this position. No, they were offended at the mere mention of them in any context whatsoever. And I think if, if, you're, if you know people in your life who are maybe politically more liberal than you, who you're, ne- you're probably, you guys are never going to agree whether you think Medicare for all is a good policy or not. I would urge you to go to them next time politics comes up. Don't bring it up like at Easter, Christmas, Thanksgiving. Next time it comes up in a casual conversation, ask them, you really want that? You want that? You want you want that to latch on to your beliefs? Because that's not going to be Medicare for all. That's going to be the death of us all. That's last one out, turn out the lights kind of stuff. And I guess I shouldn't have been shocked by it. I'm glad that I was. But what are your thoughts listening to this for about a minute, Todd? What do you think? I'm absolutely uh, not shocked by it. Uh, the people who... Um aren't the people who would necessarily come out and say that are dominated by the people who come out and say that and are sheep uh, to to their desires far more so than um, looking for an alternative. So it doesn't surprise me in the least. These are the power brokers that have to be defeated. We'll come back. Hour two next live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. <laughs> We're back here on the Steve Day Show, live and on demand on The Blaze. It is hour two, and it is our 500th episode. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. It's D-E-A-C-E for those of you listening on demand today via podcast or live on Blaze Radio. Like us on Facebook, but a lot. Like keep clicking the like button over and over again because we're shadow banned there. So maybe if you click it 35 times, it might record maybe one of them. You can also follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show before we get shadow banned there too. Coming up a little bit later on, a, a truth bomb you definitely want to see and hear. Uh, for yourself. That's coming up uh, later. One of our listeners in Alaska, Heather, recommended this, and um, it's a worthy recommendation. And then we're going to play Fake News or Not with Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics. He's got a ranking of the Democratic presidential field that he ranks according to whether he's buying their prospects, selling them as a candidate, or he has their prospects on hold. We'll go through that list a little bit later on. But as we sit around wondering, well, let me rephrase that. Todd, as you sit around wondering, um, as, as, because all I told you was just they better not suck. When you sit around wondering who is a worthwhile guest for the 500th episode of this show, I got to be honest with you because it's the year of no BS, right? It is. Okay. I didn't think you were going to come through. And it's not so much that I have a low regard for your skill level here. It's just that I have burned so many bridges that, um, you know, the truth hurts, and this is a painful show sometimes, that <clears throat> I, I thought 
the chances we could aim higher than um, our normal, uh, you know, uh, network of associates for, to do something extra special for this 500th episode. I I didn't think we could manage it. I didn't think you could pull it off because you're, you know, it's like Kareem Abdul-Jabbar once said in the movie Airplane. Hey, you tell your old man to drag Bill Walton's ass up and on the court all day and see what you know what kind of shape he'd be in. It's it's you got to carry everybody's with you until you're like. Well, what show of the plays are you on? And you tell them, Steve Dace. And then they, we have this list of people who, quote, politely decline, right? We have that. Yeah, and it's been happening more frequently recently. So when you told me who you had landed, I got to admit, man, I had one crap-eating grin on my face. I thought there was no way you had pulled this off. But lo and behold, I, I don't want to assume a gender because that would be wrong of me. Lo and behold, they are now here. And we want to welcome who I think right now, and, I, and this is not a smoke blow whatsoever. I think this is the most potent and effective cultural commentary happening on planet Earth right now. And the individual, notice I've yet to assume a gender. The individual responsible for it joins us now. Author of the new book, and it is, it is called, you're going to notice the picture there, probably doesn't line up with what you expected, Tatiana McGrath, and it's Woke, A Guide to Social Justice. And the individual that has created this other non-gender-specified individual construct in order to pillory the political correctness that threatens to take down Western civilization joins us now. His name is Andrew Doyle. It is an honor, sir. I feel like giving you a Wayne and Garth. We're not worthy right now, but it is an honor to have you with us here on The Blaze. How are you? Thank you. I'm fine. That's quite an introduction, though. That's a lot to live up to. I, I, I worry that I'll be a, a huge disappointment if You're I right. don't say anything. So don't suck. Don't don't suck now. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. So let's start with because if people have follow us on, on our show on social media, has seen me share your stuff quite a bit. Okay. And uh, okay. so they're going to be familiar with the Tatiana McGrath Act or shtick, yeah. or, or parody, okay? Yeah. But I want to start with who are you? Who's Andrew Doyle? And and where did the notion of creating this brilliant caricature, where did it come from? Uh, well, I'm a, I'm a writer and a comedian, so I do stand up a lot in the UK. Um, but I also write sort of political articles on a, on a website called Spiked. Um, and I was just, I've often written about identity politics and about, uh, the social justice movement and, um, how divisive it is and how many, uh, what problems it's causing to our society. Uh, and so I thought I'd just, um, do that through a character, try and embody, you know, the sort of the worst excesses of that movement, uh, through a fake character, through a satirical character. Uh, and that's what I did. And I thought she'd be a young kind of feminist, very po-faced, very humorless, uh, social justice activist who, uh, who just gets offended about anything and uh, for no good reason, often. She just wants to be offended. And she's a huge narcissist. She doesn't believe in debate. She thinks debate is a form of harassment. And this is kind of a recognisable trope, right? You, you, you've seen these people online. They exist. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not too, it's not too exaggerated from the truth, unfortunately. Um. When I first came upon Miss McGrath, I actually thought it was real at first. And and I got to tell you, Andrew, it's tough to trick me because I have I have used this device that you're using far more effectively than I ever have. But I yeah. have used this device to deconstruct the other side's views so often. And I'm used to my audience not knowing when it's a parody and when it's real. Okay. Yeah. And, and taking it too seriously. Then so I'm pretty calloused. 
And there several weeks went by that I thought this was real because yeah. you so absolutely nail this persona. It is so prevalent. Um, and, and I mean, you, you have created the, the perfect beast here. And it was only when I saw the, it was actually when you got banned re, a few uh, months ago yeah, that yeah. I began to figure out, holy crap, this is actually even more brilliant in, I mean, than I even thought it was. The banning was a huge boost for me, you know, because because it just sort of proved the point I was trying to make that people are so that they, they, they don't like to be mocked. They don't like people poking fun at them. This is like a it's like a kind of cult and, and you dance sort of say anything against them. Uh, mm-hmm. And if you do, they'll come after you. This was one of the reasons I, I wanted to to identify um, and particularly pillory uh, the social justice movement is because they are brutal. They're they're. they're the way that they approach people who disagree with them ideologically is to attack their livelihood, to trawl through everything they've ever written and try and find something incriminating against them, to to go at them online. And I mean, some of the most vicious things and the most awful things I've seen online have come from this quarter. And yet they think they're the underdogs. They think they're the victimized. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I think, is something that, it, well, it's funny more than anything, right? I mean, anyone who sort of stands there and moralizes and sermonizes and says, you should behave like this. I know better than you. I know how you're supposed to behave. I know the opinions you're supposed to have. I know the words you should be allowed to say and what you shouldn't be allowed to say. That's funny to me. Like anyone and anyone who clutches their pearls and gets really offended by things that just aren't offensive. That to me is hilarious. So, you know, let's like, even if they're right, even if they're right to be offended, that's still kind of funny to me. So I thought, you know, I'll try and try and mock them through the character. And also, they're not good at debate. They, they, the, the social justice, a lot of the prominent people, and it's not all of them, I have to emphasize that, but the vocal minority, the particularly vocal minority in the social justice movement are not good at debate. They don't believe, they, they're scared of facts. They're scared of dissenting views. So you can't argue with them, really. Um, it's like, so I just thought, well, I'll satirize them instead. Seems yeah, yeah I mean, well, they created, they created this system so they wouldn't have to debate. So they wouldn't have to risk a debate, you well, know. I mean, possibly, possibly it's 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 that sort of calculated. What my fear is that actually it's really well intentioned. That's actually more scary to me because mm. now this really interesting situation where we have a phenomenon which you could call well intentioned authoritarianism. Mm-hmm. That's really really frightening. I mean, it's 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 like the famous Stephen Weinberg quote about um you know in order for good people to do bad things they need a religion you know. And I think that's what we're seeing now. We're seeing a lot of good people who are creating incredible division in our society, who are really taking things backward, but they think they're doing the right thing. And that to me is far more frightening than someone who knows what they're doing is bad. Hmm. When your your country there in the UK, you know, you've had situations recently uh, where we saw a video here in the States, the BBC came out with a, a Tracy Ullman parody mocking this. And that essentially these people, they just, they couldn't, their victimology could not be satiated. So that she eventually just told them to just basically shut the bleep up enough. Okay. If we're not, if we're not, if we're not woke enough for you at the, at, at the BBC, then, then there, there, then, we're, then there is, there, you cannot possibly be pleased. Uh, the, the situation with the, uh, the Catholic uh, Christian uh, journalist there about a, a week or two ago, that was, uh, that had the, the, uh, that had the uh, police show up for misgendering some Somebody, uh, on uh, on social media, and it was being debated yeah. in, on Good Morning in the UK whether she should be arrested or not. And and it was it was fascinating watching liberals debate liberals, and and one of them said to the the the, the woke woman on the panel, he's like, 
we're, we've got chronic stabbings like right down the road from here. Yeah, yeah. Don't we have a different, don't we have a, a higher priority list to worry about than pronoun usage on Twitter, right? This is, this is, you're, you're living what our, what our near future here in the States is about to become, aren't you? I, well, I'm, re- I'm really worried about that because uh, there is nothing liberal at all about trying to police what people can say and think. It's the opposite. It's illiberal. And, and that includes people saying things that you, you may not like or that you find offensive, right? I mean, I'm, I'm all for liberty above all else. And I think we should be able to make mistakes. We should be able to make jokes that we want to make, even if they offend people. We should be able to be wrong about things and, and, and be offensive and all the rest of it. But that's a very good example. I mean, that is what, you're, what, what you may not know is that actually it's standard practice amongst UK law enforcement uh, that if someone phones them up and says they are offended by something and that they perceive that this person's uh, words or actions were motivated um, by hatred or prejudice, the police are obliged to investigate. So we had a, we had um, a famous case a couple of weeks ago where uh, the police in Humberside phoned up a, a man who had retweeted an offensive poem on Twitter and they deemed the poem to be transphobic. He didn't even write it, though. He just retweeted it. And the police phoned him up and said, we need to check your thinking. That was the phrase they used. We need to check your thinking. Um, And you don't want to use the phrase Orwellian because it's become a bit of a cliche. Sure. But how else can you describe that? What other word can you use to describe that? The police have no business um, contacting or investigating, let alone arresting and incarcerating, as has also happened, people for the basis on their of their of their views or the jokes they make. They just have no business doing it. And we've we've got to stand. And I think, again, like I say, it's well-intentioned, but it is authoritarian. And that's why we have to stand up against it, because this stuff doesn't happen overnight. It's a kind of creeping authoritarianism. Um, and it worries me. I know I'm being very serious, right? And you wanted to talk about a comedy character. But the, the I guess it's because the points that informs the character are, are so serious. And there's a lot at stake. What you're doing, Andrew, is, you know, I've... I've consulted with and worked on numerous campaigns not just as a media i'm not just a media guy but i've i've been a professional political activist and one of the things i've advised clients on and i've even advised our audience with is when it's funny the public will give you permission to be vicious and that, that if you remove this from direct rhetorical ideological confrontation and if you make them laugh they will, they, will, they will widen the Overton window to lengths you would have never been able, no matter how eloquent, how many big words, how many footnotes, no matter how many citations you would have make, made, no matter how much pleading you would have done, their level of offense, if it's funny, the public that sits in the jury box there and like Commodus in the arena of Gladiator with their getting ready to give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down, if you make them laugh, and, and citing that movie again, if, if, if you can turn to them and say, are you not entertained? If they are entertained, what they will let you do against your philosophical opponent uh, is far more vicious than if you just go back and forth in the arena of ideas. And I think your, what you have done with Tatiana McGrath is the living, is, is the incarnate word of, 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 of my observation there. I mean, you, the fact that it's funny, you are getting away. You have been banned, but you were brought yeah. back. Because it's yeah. funny. If it weren't funny, you wouldn't have lasted, I don't think, a few weeks on there, brother. I think they, I think you're right. I mean, whether it's funny or not depends on your perspective because the uh, the woke community do not find this funny. Make no mistake. They, mm-hmm. they find it deeply unfunny, um, which is their right. You know, that's fair enough. I wouldn't find it particularly funny either if I were them. Um, but the people who do find it funny do. Uh, and there's nothing worse. People, people in authority hate being laughed at. They hate it. 
Uh, it's why President Erdogan in Turkey uh, will uh, arrest satirists if they mock him. Mm -hmm. You know, it, 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 tyrants have always done this. And the problem with the woke uh, ideology is that it's very, very powerful. Um, and it, they have the capacity and the ability to to damage you and to ruin your career. There's a real power there. And so they're not going to like people laughing at them. But I think you're right. I think ultimately, it's, you know, it goes back to the um, the Shakespearean idea of the fool who can say anything. I think you can get away with a whole lot more if people are enjoying what you're doing. And I also think the best way to undermine authority figures is to mock them. And uh, yeah, so I'll keep doing that. Well, you look into the history of your country, you're the Sir Thomas More here. They're the Henry VIII. You're utopianing them is what you're doing. Yeah. I mean, you are, you, well, are, you are rubbing their noses in their own caricature and forcing them to look uh, through a mirror darkly that uh, Oscar Wilde would prefer to see Dorian Gray uh, staring back at him rather than his own portrait. That's what you're doing. I, I, I think that's certainly the principle. I wouldn't compare myself to Thomas More, but that is, that, that's the, that is the principle of it, is, yeah, to sort of uh, to let them know how they appear to the rest of us, you know? Because I don't think that the, the one thing that I, I keep finding amongst prominent social justice activists is a complete lack of self-awareness. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're all individuals and they've all got very different lives and very different perspectives. But the thing that connects them is 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 this lack of self-awareness and also this incredible narcissism, uh, this incredible sense of entitlement that they get to speak on behalf of everyone. Uh, and I don't think they get to do that. I mean, you, you get this a lot with um, people are often smearing millennials and, and calling them snowflakes and this kind of thing. But I don't think writing off a whole generation like that is a very good idea. And also, I don't think it's true. I think most young people, I think most millennials are as sick of this as anyone else. They're sick of this stuff. And I, the young people I talk to, they can't stand. There's loads of young people who follow Titania and, and they can't because they can't stand this stuff. And they've been pressured into feeling that they can't object. Um, and so therefore... I, I don't think that we should be letting these people off the hook because they're a minority, but they're a minority with a lot of power. So, uh, so yeah, I want them to know what they look like. I want them to know how stupid they look when they get offended by Mary Poppins because at some point in Mary Poppins, she puts black soot on her face and therefore they say she's performing blackface. <laughs> I, I, I mean, to you and I, that's obviously funny. The reason I know it's funny is because I tweeted that idea back in September as Titania, and I did a picture of Mary Poppins with blackface, and I said, this is racist, right? And then it came true. Then the New York Times, a couple of months ago, <laughs> actually wrote an article. So I predicted it. But, but of course, it's not, it's not that uh, impressive if you think about it, because obviously they were going to go there eventually, you know? Um, and, it, and they look absurd, but they think... They think they're like these moral guardians and they think that they're I, I just. Yeah, I want them to know how much we're laughing at them and, and they, they deserve that. If they're going to put that nonsense out into the world, they deserve to be ridiculed for it. His name is Andrew Doyle. Uh, he is Tatiana McGrath. The name of the book uh, is Woke. And if you're not yet on Twitter, I'd urge you to join just to follow this account. Like literally just to, just it is it's the most biting an effective, brutally effective uh, social commentary that uh, I think has has arisen uh, since our friends at the Babylon Bee started uh, back, what was that, three or four years ago. Uh, Andrew, great stuff. And uh, remind me, never to piss you off, all right? <laughs> I'm sure you won't. Thanks for having me. All right, God bless, man. Appreciate it. Thank you very much.
Uh, our interview with Andrew Doyle brought to you by our friends of Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, you must check out the website, realestateagentsitrust.com. Glenn Beck and his associates started this uh, endeavor about uh, six years ago because they were tired of real estate agents that talked a good game but then didn't deliver the desired and promised results when they were needed the most. All right, so what sets this apart from other referral-style sites or organizations is those are really done from the premise of how do we help real estate agents find clients. This one, though, is about you, the client, finding the right agent for you that's worthy of serving you, that's been vetted, held accountable, transparent about the results they can obtain, uh, and that's why they're listed on the website at realestateagentsitrust.com. So, um, if you want to buy or sell for fast, or maybe both at the same time, and for the right price, you must do it with our friends at Real Estate Agents I Trust. Just visit the website for more information. Realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. Gentlemen, your thoughts on our conversation here uh, with Andrew Doyle, otherwise known as uh, Titana McGrath, and uh, just... The the neutron bombs he is dropping yeah. through this caricature on a daily basis. Yeah, I'm. I kind of harken back in some ways to uh, Elijah uh, and the prophet of Baal. Uh, prophets of Baal. Um, Good analogy. In that you know, pray louder. Where's your God now? Is he taking a dump? Right. You know. Um, but at, if you carry that analogy out further, as well, and maybe it's not. Maybe that's where the analogy ends because. You know uh, what happened to those prophets? <laughs> are, do we have do we right. have the ability to do that in our current form of government? I, I don't I don't think so. So um, that does not negate though the power. Uh, uh, like like Andrew was saying, embarrassing those in authority when they are <clears throat> when they deserve it essentially by laughing at them. Uh, that is something again. That's a principle I think that we all need to do, all need to uh, investigate, all need to practice more often, is just um, just being able to see the fallacy. Don't don't try to be I, I, you know ironic or anything that that much. Just you know maybe maybe for you it's just uh, rolling tape, just retweeting these guys um, who you know we see it every day. Uh, the The montage is a never ending stream of just BS, just rolling tape on what the left says um, quite often. Uh, that in and of itself is funny enough when it gets out to the general populace. But yeah, that was a great, it was a great interview. And I, you know, in our worldview uh, as well, the thing that drives the social justice warriors, we would say is idolatry of self is ye be like God. We've talked yeah. about that over and over and again. So of course saying, um, you know, that these are basically good people who mean well, eh, um, you know, that's obviously something I think that we would probably disagree with, but otherwise, um, yeah, I, we need more people like him. On purpose. I, I, oh, I asked him an open question. Who are yep. you? And I didn't, and, and if he wasn't going to go there on purpose, I didn't delve any more into what his core belief system is, what his particular politics are, because I think it's actually more powerful yeah. to not know those things. It's almost more powerful if he disagrees with us on 15 different things, but is just so fed up with this stifling force uh, of, you know, that wants to shut down freedom, liberty, or any dissenting views whatsoever. It's almost more powerful if that's the case. 
I agree, because ultimately what he was talking about uh, was the deadliest of the seven deadly sins when he's describing the, 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 the types of people who buy into wokeness. He's talking about pride, mm-hmm. the people who are so uh, lacking in a basic uh, self-awareness uh, and are so certain uh, how they can tell everybody uh, how to live at every single uh, level. He, he, when, then, when you're that superior, you don't yeah. need to have self-awareness. And there's there's a man who... He, I. I I was. I would be fascinated if there was one straw that broke the camel's back with him. He's a comedian. He's been building. Like, comedians are uh, the best of comedians. Are they, you know they're irreverent everywhere uh, because they they do a great job of keeping everybody uh, honest. And he's just simply had a Rosa Parks moment. Like, no, I, I'm. I'm. You guys are offending the nature of reality and reason itself, and therefore uh, you're going to end up swallowing a, a little of the food you keep demanding the rest of us follow. It's mm. it's only just, and I mean that not as a rhetorical flourish. He is dispensing justice by making them yes. swim in this toxic soup that they've created. I love it. That's that's really he's, well said. He's Batman. I, I, in, in a way, this is this is the this is the, the the culture war version or the social media version of uh, Clint Eastwood's uh, rider on a pale horse antihero. You know, in a, in a way that the town is just so overrun, and you know, Tatiana McGrath has to roll in here on a pale horse and a and you know a, a swisher sweet hanging out the side of her mouth. <laughs> You know, and uh, you fire up the Sergio Leone uh, spaghetti western track, and it's a haze of bullets, man. And then there's just a lot of dead bodies, and you know, all the all the banditos are dead, and he just jumps on the pale horse and rides in the next town, and it's the next movie. And your Oscar Wilde point was so dead on because you know how they like to see themselves, Steve. Yeah. Oh, they are so proud of themselves. They are the ones we've been waiting for, and for somebody to say. No, 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 no. Here's here's the real mirror. You, you're a circus freak, and I'm going to show it to you. It's, where, it's where, where would, where would their self awareness come from? If they're that, if they're morally superior, intellectually to superior to everybody else, if they've if they've if they've if they've fulfilled Nietzsche's vow and they've killed God, rhetorically speaking, here, then tell me why? What 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 would be the impetus of self awareness? Because. Any humility is a rebuke of their own belief system because it's predicated on their level of superiority. I emote, therefore I am. I feel this way, therefore it must well, be true. Well, we talked about the, the nihilism, you know, uh, last segment. Was that last segment mm-hmm. um, of of the left? And uh, you know, when everything, when you are part, when your worldview is built on some form. Of naturalism, meaning uh, substance, or you know, the only thing that exists is what I can see, feel, touch, taste, hear. Uh, nothing transcendent exists. Then um, you know, you and me, baby, ain't nothing but uh, mammals. So let's do it like we do on the Discovery Channel. Animals don't have self awareness. You become uh, you become that which you um, basically uh, worship, and that's that's essentially what leftists do because nothing is transcendent you essentially become if 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 you follow that worldview you eventually end up um living down to your worst instincts to your base natures you essentially become you know we're still all humans made in the image of god 
But even Nebuchadnezzar, uh, what did he have to do for a long time uh, as a judgment for he lived as an animal? Um, so I think I think that's I, 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 that's an element, that's a dimension of this where it's just basically we're just kind of living on instinct and id all of the time. Yes, and you know what? Today's truth bomb. I actually determined it was going to be the truth bomb today before I was aware you were capable of this poll. But now, does Todd know what it is, Aaron? I don't think he knows what it is. No. See? But you know what it is. Yeah. Because you've watched it. Is it not just a perfect follow-up to this conversation? Preaches on so many levels. I mean, it, it, it almost as if we plotted this and we didn't. We have time to play it right yep. now, don't we? All yep. right. Today's truth bomb. Uh, brought to you by my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies, Conservatives Believe to Their Own Demise. Available bookstores everywhere, but Amazon.com right now. Leave us a five-star review at Amazon.com if you haven't yet done so. One of our listeners, Heather in Alaska, recommended this to us, and we want to give her props. Here is today's Truth Bomb. Hi. Welcome to ASNR for White Liberals. It's me. thoughts on that type make them laugh make them laugh make them laugh uh it, the truth is out there it in fact it's everywhere it's ultimately just people who have the courage to say it and have fun doing it that's possible did you notice how many times he said you're good <laughs> you're better than everybody else you're better than the rest 
the ego there, the pride, the self-righteousness. Ye be like God. More in a moment. So as um, we continue to change the way we produce our food and the uh, busy lifestyles we live, uh, a lot of us aren't getting that produce, the fruits and vegetables, especially the vegetable part uh, in our uh, in our daily diets that we need. And so we're lacking those nutrients, those antioxidants, those vitamins, the kinds of things that uh, boost our immunity, those post uh, or those pro and prebiotics as well that help with our digestions and those sorts of things. Have you noticed the amount of digestive ailments, maladies that have been on the rise in recent years as well? A lot of this can be traced back to just the, the, the different way our food is mass produced and consumed. So we need something, um, you know, that will uh, fill that void. And that's where our friends at Brickhouse Nutrition have come in with Field of Greens. Now this is, even though it will supplement your your diet with the fruits and vegetables that you're lacking, it's not a supplement. That's why when you uh, turn over the label, it doesn't say supplement facts, it says nutrition facts. This is real food. Um, you know, these are real USDA certified organic fruits and vegetables, complete with all of those elements I've already talked about that are lacking from a lot of our diets today and the, the stuff they strip out of foods so that they'll stay fresher and longer. Uh, you want to put it back in and into your regimen. And that's what you want to do with Field of Greens. Also, if you're struggling to get your kids to eat their vegetables, this is a great tasting alternative as well. That's also not loaded with sugar. Some of the other uh, store brand uh, great tasting alternatives uh, are offering these days. You can try it right now. 15% off your first order. If you use promo code Steve, when you go to BrickHouseSteve.com, that's BrickHouseSteve.com. It's called Field of Greens at BrickHouseSteve.com. 15% off of your first order when you go there and use the promo code Steve. All right, let's get to this week's edition of Fake News or Not. And we're, we're changing it up here just a tad because there aren't too many people that um, their political analysis, meaning their analysis of political outcomes, isn't heavily influenced by their desire for one particular political outcome to occur. And I could give you a list of them, people that I think for the most part, you can trust their analysis. Now, did I say that you can agree with their analysis or that you even should? No, because analysis by very nature is subjective. Okay. You know, they're not, they're, I'm not sending you to Isaiah, Amos. Okay. These aren't prophets. They're analysts. All right. And so they could be wrong when I say you can trust them, meaning that you can trust the, the thought process they've gone through. They're not trying to use their, their, their platform as an analyst to, you know, shape an outcome. They're trying to give you an honest day's work. Yes. I, I think uh, Chris Dyerwald on Fox is a great example of that, what I'm talking about. He does great work. Uh, Larry, um, uh, I don't know. Domo Origato, Mr. Sabatato. I don't know how to pronounce the damn name. Sabato. I've heard Sabato. it pronounced nine different yeah. ways. Okay. Larry at Virginia. Larry at the University of Virginia School of Government. He's good. All right. Larry at whatever his last name is. Um, Amy Cook at Cook Political Report. I'm sorry, Amy Walters at Cook Political Report. In fact, you know, and I wanted to make sure I gave her credit at the time. 
the analogy, she's the one that really revolutionized my thinking in the last election cycle when she pointed out that we could be sitting here at the end of the year and just realized we had two different elections and the House election took place in the suburbs where Hillary won and the Senate election took place in the states Trump won and we're all overanalyzing this. And she was dead on about that, okay? Sean Trendy at Real Clear Politics would be on that list too, okay? And and he's out today with his, he's evaluating on a buy, sell, or hold basis. He's evaluating the 2020 Democratic presidential field. And let's play a little fake news or not with his analysis. Okay. Okay. And so um, these are the candidates he's selling or he's buying, he is selling, and he's holding on. Okay. Let's start with Joe Biden. All right, so he's got Joe Biden as a sell. He says, up until a week or so ago, I was a heavy sell on Biden. It just seems difficult to believe that a Democratic Party increasingly identifying as young, female, and non-white is going to nominate a septuagenarian white man. If it were to nominate such a man, he would almost certainly have to be beyond reproach on hashtag me too issues, racial insensitivities, etc. And that is not Biden. He has opted uh, to apologize briefly for his handsy behavior. Antagonizing the party's progressive base is a risky strategy, but in a fractured field with multiple progressive candidates, it is probably the best strategy for him to win. Uh, Trendy says he still thinks he's too high in the polls, um, but it's a smart move by a wily poll that has given him some pause that maybe not to totally sell on him yet. Fake news or not? Uh, that's absolutely not fake news. Um, I mean, we've been talking about Joe Biden in that context for about the last uh, two weeks. You've said you've had a turnaround along those lines. I've yeah, I think he's Jeb Bush yeah, twenty twenty. Absolutely. He, do you think he? So we he's a man out of time. All right. Do we all, Aaron? Yep, we all we buy. All agree. We all think it's true news to buy on or to sell on him. Correct. What about the caveat that Trendy throws up at the end, which kind of struck me as a guy trying to cover his backside for a candidate that's still pulling in first place. Do you think the caveat at the end, you think he's, see, I don't think he's helped himself at all, actually. I think the opposite is true. Yeah, I agree. A good a good analyst will at least throw out there the devil's advocate that's yeah, existing I at agree. the time, but yeah. I don't buy it. And you're going against a headwind right now that has him first place in every poll. I can understand as an analyst myself why you would do some hedge insurance. It's a little bit like in a blackjack table when the dealer is showing Ace or a face card. Do you want to buy insurance? I kind of get that. Aaron? Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think I'm buying that. Okay. On Bernie Sanders, he's a buy. He said, forced to pick a front runner, I'd probably go with Sanders. This may seem like an odd move, having just poo-pooed Biden's candidacy on the grounds he's, he's white, old, and male. But I don't think his winning strategy rests upon winning over a majority of the Democrats. Instead, the strategy for Sanders revolves around him holding on to his base of around 20% of the party in a divided field, something that seems more attainable for Sanders than for Biden. There are two interrelated ways that could play out. The first scenario involves him winning Iowa and New Hampshire, at which point his momentum would become very difficult to stop. Currently, he is less than two percentage points out of first place in both of those states. And the second involves him holding on to that 20% in a splittered field and because delegates are awarded proportionally, but only after a candidate clears a threshold of 15% in a state, Sanders could scoop up delegates in every primary while his opponents miss in various states. So that's that's good analysis there, giving us kind of inside track on the methodology of how the Democratic uh, process works this go around you know they they had the revolt over their super delegates basically picking hillary over him the last time so and now his his buy on bernie sanders is that fake news or not todd 
Oh, I'm I'm with him on that. It's it's not fake news at all. And he forgot one point in terms of him over uh, Joe Biden and the counterintuitive nature of two old guys. But Bernie Sanders, remember, is insufferable. Joe Biden will not be able to just slog through with and just keep going. Bernie Sanders will. He's in this for the long haul. Yeah, all by as well. Excuse me. Uh, all by as well. Uh, general elections are about turning out your base um, as and even more so in uh, caucuses and primaries. You you are reliant upon the most hardcore of your most hardcore. And right now, I think Bernie bros are are that for the Democrats. Meaning the we don't have to question the intensity of his support. I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. he's he's to me. He's the constant in this race. Everybody else, we're judging. We're judging how strong mm-hmm. Biden's numbers really are. We're projecting how much the rest of this field could really rise. We know yeah. that Bernie Sanders is as constant as the North Star here. We know what he's going to get. We know he's not going to go much lower, and we know he's not going to go much higher. The question becomes how much of an advantage that is or not, right? Yeah. But we know what he has, yeah. and it's locked in. Yeah. Okay. Kamala Harris, he is a hold on her. Uh, Trendy says that uh, she had a solid rollout. But part of him wonders if she isn't the Marco Rubio of 2020. Despite a somewhat thin resume, she's strong enough on paper, has a plausible path forward, like win California and sweep the heavily black Southern black voting Southern states. She's popular with different wings of the party at the same time as well. And she's raised enough money to go the distance. Okay. Um, but, um, albeit, uh, she, let's not forget, she did almost lose an attorney general race in California, albeit in a very good Republican year. But how good of a year is it to almost lose a statewide race to a Republican in California? I mean, that's it, got to be fairly extraordinary. OK, plus he's concerned there's multiple black candidates that could be splitting that heavily black Democratic vote in the South. So he's holding on her. Fake news or not? I'm. That's uh, fake news. I I think it's sober analysis. I'm simply after what I saw with what was going on in Chicago with the DA there and the links of the Obamas to her and various things. I think the Obamas are going to do everything to, they can if it's if it's just behind the scenes, but to make sure she stays in the game as long as possible. Yeah, I'm. I think the analysis is just fine from Trendy. Uh, I'm. I'm. I'm going to say fake news on that. I'm still buying her uh, for for the primary season. Mm-hmm. Still buying her. So you don't think his analysis is fake news, just just think it's wrong. Uh, Let's go back to Biden for a second, since you invoked the name of Obama. And I said this uh, several months ago, and I haven't brought it back since, but let's do it now. I I said at the time that I kind of thought Barack Obama held the key, you guys remember me saying this, to Joe Biden's candidacy. Yeah. Like if he he comes out and knights him and says, this is my son and whom I am well pleased, then he's unbeatable. We would agree he would be unbeatable then. We would agree on that? No. You don't even think that? No. Nope. Okay. Not anymore. Would it be a much stronger candidate yes. than he sits today? Okay. Yes. All right. If Obama doesn't do that, isn't that the most obvious question yes. that comes up in every Democratic primary presidential yes. debate? And I don't think he's going to do it. And who would be the candidate to be the most inclined to ask that? See, I think she would be. Right. Because I, I agree. She'll, I, what did you She'll say about you. her? She'll cut you? Yeah. I agree. You didn't... You, you, if, you, a beautiful, young, intelligent woman... Doesn't let a nasty old man like Willie Brown into her nether regions unless she has that kind of a killer instinct, right? I agree. Because we're not we're not we're not talking about a, an attraction here, guys. We're 
we're talking about a path forward, if you know what I'm saying, yeah. right? That's that's also why I don't believe Buttigieg is a real candidate because I I don't believe she's just going to stand there and let him ace her out. No way. But we'll get to him in a minute. Beta O'Rourke, uh, Trendy's a buy. Um, he says O'Rourke has it. And he's not entirely sure what it is, but it's the thing that allows you to stand on the countertop in diners <laughs> and give speeches without seeming hokey. All right. O'Rourke will have a ton of money. He's exactly the type of candidate who can catch fire in Iowa. Fake news or not? I'm. He's not wrong. I'm. I just disagree. So I guess I'm going to be fake news. I. I have. He might catch fire in Iowa, but I think sooner or later this guy's going to be the Mr. Bean candidacy when all is said and done. I mean, there's just no there, there, man. I in your Texas thing. I know that's reason he people are going to also prop him up, keep him around as long as possible. But man, I just I don't see it. Aaron, I I don't want I don't want to agree, but I agree almost one hundred percent with that he's trendies, a buy. Okay, trendy's analysis. Trendy's at a sell on Elizabeth Warren says like Biden, much of her positioning has to do with name recognition, um, and she, and her problem is there's nothing she does that someone else doesn't do better. I think that's right on the mm-hmm. money. Don't buy. you? Buy. Yep, I'm buying that. All right. Meaning we're, we're buying trendy sell. Buying sell. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. Um, what else do we have here? Uh, Corey Booker, he's a sell. He says Booker has an interesting track record as an outside the box thinker who challenges party orthodoxy, but that is not how he's running, at least for now. He seems to believe that, quote, progressive warhorse is his ticket to the nomination. Unlike Warren, there just isn't much he does that someone else doesn't do better. Fake news or not? Uh, that is, uh, I'm buying his cell. That is not fake news. Aaron, if, if he were a woman or if he decides to become a woman, I would say that was total fake news. But as of right now, I completely agree. So I'm selling. What if he were to confirm certain rumors that have existed long for long periods of time That's a game changer. about his sexuality? That's a game changer. I, could, I think that changes his candidacy overnight. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. See, I don't believe he might be saving that. Yeah, see, it's not, see, I and, and if I didn't make this point yesterday clear, let me make it again. My it, my disbelief in Buttigieg's is candidacy has nothing to do with his homosexuality, okay? I totally believe the culture is ready to accept somebody like that to, for, just to I further again confirm I'm not like that, you know? Um, it's, it's the, it's, 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 I don't believe the system will permit it. This is still a political party, guys. All these senators, congressmen, governors aren't going to let the mayor of Indiana's third largest state step over them 27 spaces on the social climbing ladder. Kamala Harris, beautiful young woman, didn't let Willie Brown violate her so that Pete Buttigieg from Indiana, mayor, could step on her throat on his way to the top. That is not, that's not how politics works. I don't care what system of culture you're in. And I can't believe all y'all that watch Game of Thrones every week for the last seven years really believe Pete Buttigieg is a candidate. He's not. Have you guys never seen any episodes? Never. Never, guys. Baelish never lets you walk over him like that, guys. Baelish didn't whore himself out and literally, literally profit off of whores so that Pete Buttigieg could then step over him in the Iron Throne Room. Have That's not ca- how it works. Have you been catching up on I, episodes? I told you I watched a few. I told you I did. Okay. 
Wow. All right. And well it's done. all over my Twitter feed, by the way. I can't escape it. But that's not that's not how any system of politics works in any culture, in any era of human history. It never works that way. Never. Now, if someone with a real title, if someone with a real title who's also not white says, yeah, different strokes for different folks. Oh, now I think that I totally think that's a game changer. I agree with that. But no way. No, no. there is no level of intersectionality, Mr. Buttigieg, with white skin and mayor of an Indiana city, not called Indianapolis, outwits and all these people. That's not how political parties or any political system works. And that's why uh, one of the reasons Trendy says he's holding on Mr. Buttigieg. Fake news or not, his hold on uh, Pete uh, Buttigieg. It is Buttigieg, right? Buttigieg. I'll buy buy his hold, uh, and I don't think that disregards your cell i i think he's coming at it from a slightly different angle so I, i'll buy his hold yeah i i think the analysis again is all i i'm still selling all right we're gonna do lightning round here in just a second home title lock wants you to know last year the manhattan district attorney's office released a grand jury report noting law enforcement had received 22,000 complaints of deed fraud and almost every one of them resulted from a faulty notarization meaning somebody attempting to forge their way onto your home's title the report even called it an epidemic the problem was so bad the scammers are all over obits uh, every public records whatever they can do to get a hold of what for most americans is the most valuable investment we'll ever have our own home particularly the equity in that home don't let this happen to you especially when for just pennies a day it won't courtesy of our friends at home title lock they will put a virtual title or virtual barrier around your home's title and mortgage and right now you can go to hometitlelock.com and register your home to learn if it's already been targeted taken if it's already vulnerable uh, this is normally a title scan and report that costs $100 but today for our family at the blaze it is free free if you go to hometitlelock.com that's hometitlelock.com all right gentlemen and of course okay there we go uh let's do the lightning round all right he is a buy on klobuchar that's how i got i got it right this time right that is correct senator klobuchar he's a buy on her lightning round i accept that that i'll buy it aaron i'll buy that as well all right he is a buy on andrew yang who was just on ben shapiro's show He's a buy on him. So, so. Okay. So you guys think that's fake news. Uh, he's a buy on Stacey Abrams. Buy. Buy. Do you guys agree with him on that? Yeah. Okay. And then he is a buy on all of these candidates. Julian Castro, Kirsten Gillibrand, John Hickenlooper, Jay Inslee, Michael Bennett, and other members of Congress and candidates you may not have heard. Okay, well, because yeah. he thinks the field is so volatile yeah. that it's ap- there's room for at least somebody in this group to emerge. Where's Tulsi Gabbard in all this? Isn't she supposed to be running? I forgot that she was running. Yeah, there's there's a lot running. Yeah. I mean, are they are, if they are, were are, really are they at smart, the 18th guys, Republicans were at? Yeah, if they were really smart, and, uh, we've got less than a minute left. They, Tulsi Gabbard would win, but they're but she's not cult enough for them. She's nowhere close to cult enough for them. Because Swellwell's not on here yet. He declared yeah. the California Congressman. Right. He declared yesterday, right? Well, thank you for putting up with us for the last 499 shows. Hopefully uh, today's 500th was at least as unbearable as all of those were. We've got our Blaze Roundtable coming your way today right here on the Blaze. We are back at it again for 501. If we can fool them again, come tomorrow. Until then, John 317.
This is Steve Dace on the Blaze Radio Network.